Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. We're in our passion for uh, the house series, talking about passion uh, for the things that God's passionate about, passionate for people, passionate for the church. Are you with me this morning? Uh, We believe this, that when passion fills uh, the church, when passion fills our lives, man, the church becomes a place for people. Uh, It becomes a place of provision. Matter of fact, we we tackled provision first. We just finished that up. And then last week, uh, my wife began the portion of our our series together on uh, that passion releases this to be a place for people. And if you missed that message, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to it. Powerful message. I'm going to pick up on that theme today. Day, and we're going to continue in that, uh, that as passion fills the house, uh, the church, that it's a place for, for people, uh, but it's also a place for his presence. How many would be honest and say today that, man, in worship, you felt the presence of God? Maybe you don't even know how to describe it, man, you felt something, right? It's a, it's, it's a place for his presence, but it's also a place for, for the possible. And the reason I believe these things is because um, everybody, I don't care who you are, um, whether it be right now or it was another time in your life or maybe it's a time coming soon, uh, that we all as people find ourselves in a place of need, right? That we need something. Well, ultimately, here's what we need. Now, we need God. We need that relationship with him. We need that intimacy with him. And, and maybe even there's moments in our life when we were desperate for some answers. Well, guess what? You came to the right place because this is a place for his presence. It's a place for people. It's going to be a place for answers for you. Do you believe that this morning? As we've been in our Passion for the House series, God has been doing some incredible things at our church and even particularly in my life over the last five, six weeks. It's like everywhere I go, God is opening up an opportunity, uh, like, like, like just an organic opportunity for me to share my faith with somebody. Now, as a Christ follower, I do my best. Now, listen to what I said. That. I didn't say as a pastor. But as a Christ follower, I always do my best to live my life in such a way that, man, it exemplifies Christ and what he's done in my life. Uh, but there are moments and seasons where there's just organic opportunities to share what God's done for me or what God's doing in me. About a week and a half ago, my wife and I were uh, eating at a restaurant here in downtown Escondido. Matter of fact, if you have not yet gone to downtown Escondido, or you haven't gone in a while, there's some incredible restaurants down there now. And we were eating at one of them and uh, man, just having a good time. Well, as we were sitting there, our waitress just kept coming by, making sure we had everything we needed. And I felt like the Holy Spirit just um, prompted me to strike up a conversation with her. And so I did. And then the process of that conversation, she just opens up and starts sharing her life, starts weeping with us. And I'm like, please don't cry in the food. Come on, somebody. She starts crying a little bit. We had an opportunity. We, we talked for about 30 to 40 minutes. We had an opportunity to pray for her and let her know God loves her and invite her to church. It was just one of these organic opportunities. Well, two days ago, had the similar opportunity in a different way, um, but I took one of my kids in to get some x-rays they needed, and uh, we were there, and I gave him my insurance card. And we, we happened to have an insurance called MediShare, which is a Christian uh, institution, and, uh, and what most people don't know is when you give them the card, you know, you got to call and find out what the deductible or whatever is. Well, when you call this particular company, the last thing they ask you is, is can I pray for you about anything? And, uh, and it's a great opportunity for them to witness, but it's also a great opportunity for us. And so we gave them our stuff. And as we were leaving, the lady was like, hey, 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 that was amazing. That was a powerful moment. And I'm like, what? She goes, they asked if they could pray for me. And I said, yes. And so in that moment, here she is doing her job. Man, this company prays for her. And so I just reached over, gave a little fist bump, and said, that's awesome. 
God just opened up some incredible opportunities in this Passion for the House series because, listen to me, passion doesn't just show up on Sunday morning. Are you with me? Passion shows up all, all throughout our life when we get passionate about the things that God is passionate about. As a matter of fact, um, how many ladies came to the ladies' night on Friday night? Oh, that was weak. Come on, ladies. Where are you at? How many guys came Friday night? Right? There were almost 80 ladies here on Friday night. And I'm like, I didn't even know we had that many ladies in our church. Come on, somebody. The, the place was packed. And man, I showed up to help my wife tear down because I'm a good husband. Pat on the back. And, uh, and so I came to help her tear down. And uh, when I came, man, the place was still full of ladies. I'm telling you, they were here to almost 10 o'clock at night. Most of those are the ones that had kids. Come on, somebody. And dad had the kids, and so they're like, I'm staying all night. Um, but man, the place was just full of so much. What were they doing? They were coming out because they're passionate about what God's doing in their life, what God's doing in their church. Um, now, I know a lot of you never read these, but we happen to send out emails to you uh, throughout the week. Um, and some of them come from Canvas Church. Some of them come from directly from me. And so if you haven't been reading your emails, you might not know this. But we had a particular business person in our church step up and say, hey, uh, we need to resurface our parking lots. How many of you guys notice we need to redo our parking lots? You notice it when you hit that, that dip, right? And, uh, and said, hey, look, if you can get a bulk of the money, we will, we'll cover the other part, and let's just tackle one parking lot at a time. And so money came in. They stepped up. They said, hey, just tell us what the remaining amount is. We're going to cover it. So this week, come on, somebody, our parking lot's getting done, right? Isn't that awesome? Incredible. Why is that? Because people are getting passionate. Now, listen, we're not talking about passion for a building. We're talking about what passion about what God's doing in our community. Are you with me? And, and I believe when that passion arises, man, it becomes even more so a place for people. But what makes it a place for people? That's the, that's the, the, the question we need to answer. Is it just us being excited about church and excited about one another and excited about the community? Or what really makes it a place for people? And so we're going to read from John chapter 5, and we're going to start in verse, verse 1, and we're going to read uh, to verse 14. Now, I'm going to be reading from the Holman Christian uh, version. I might switch it up next year, all right? So I know some of you are going out and buying Bibles and say, Pastor, what Bible do you read from? I read from the Holman Christian Standard. I've been doing that for the last couple of years. I love that translation. But there's some other great ones. So I might change it up for 2020. Don't get mad at me. You've got to buy another Bible. <laughs> or you can just download the app and have all the Bible translations right there. But John chapter 5. Starting in verse 1, it says, after this, now after what? Um, after Jesus had just done a miracle. Uh, in the Gospel of John, John lays out seven significant miracles that Jesus does to start off his ministry. The first one being he turns the water into wine at a wedding. How many of you guys think that's a pretty cool miracle right there? And a lot of people wonder how in the world Jesus had 12 dudes following him around. Well, anytime you can turn water into wine, come on somebody. Now, in San Diego culture, it might have been if he turned water into beer, right? I don't know. But, um, and so he turns water into wine, incredible miracle, right? Uh, well, the second miracle he does is that there's a leader that comes to him, and his son um, isn't doing well, and Jesus touches his son. We see that uh, in John uh, chapter, chapter 4, 3, and 4 as well. And so now we're coming into the third sign or the third miracle he does, and this, so this is happening now after he just healed this son. So, so it's after this, a Jewish festival took place, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate. Now, why is this called the Sheep Gate? It's really complex. It's because it's the gate that they led the sheep through. All right? Simple as that. There's the Sheep Gate. Many entrances. This happens to be the one where they bring the sheep in. 
In Jerusalem, there is a pool called Bethesda in Hebrew, which has five colonnades. What are these colonnades? These are just literally five covered porch areas, okay? So there's these covered areas. Within these lay a large number of sick, some blind, lame, and paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water because an angel would go down into the pool from time to time and stir up the water. Then the first one who got in after the water was stirred up recovered from whatever ailment he had. Now, if you're sitting there and you're looking at your Bible rather than at the screens, that portion of the text that I just read might not be in the translation you're reading. And the reason is, so in my Bible, it's actually in brackets. Can we do a little Bible study here for a moment? Just say yes, it's a rhetorical question. All right, good. Um, And so there's these brackets there, and what those brackets mean is that this might be omitted from some other texts. And the reason it's omitted from some of the other texts is because when the scriptures were all put together, known as canonization, when they were canonized, there was a certain amount of criteria that had to be met in order for uh, that, that portion of scripture to be put together as the Holy Bible, okay? And so for this particular portion, um, they, they recently have been omitting that out of certain translations because they don't feel that they have enough supporting uh, criteria to put it in there, okay? That doesn't mean the Bible is an error, okay? What that means is it just means it didn't hit this certain amount of criteria, so they said, let's take that out. But if we can look at the cultural context of the time, it still comes into play. Because the cultural context of the time is this, is that the Greeks, because they had a pagan god, and I'm probably gonna say this wrong, but they had a pagan god called Asclepius, Asclepius, okay? And Asclepius was known as the god of healing to the Greeks, okay? So in other words, they believed that this god had the power to heal. What they would do is they would set up healing centers all around their land, and these healing centers were typically pools of water. And they would then bring their sick people, whatever disease they had, and they would put them there. And apparently, there'd be a certain time. Notice that the Bible does not say an angel of the Lord came down and stirred the waters. Why? Because we don't know for sure. All we know is that from the cultural context is that something, uh, Greek mythology, maybe something would happen where these people believed when they got into the ripples of water or the stirring of the water that something would happen, that healing would come upon their body. Are you with me? Okay? So that's the cultural context. That's why all of these people are gathered there. They're hoping their ticket gets drawn. They're hoping that they can be the one that gets in. They're waiting for a move. They're waiting for a stirring. They're waiting for something to happen so that hopefully they can be made well. Enter Jesus. Come on, somebody. Okay. One man was there who had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there, now we don't know quite what his issue is, but he's been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to get well? Did you read the first part of that? He's been there for 38 years. Jesus, did you read the text? Jesus already knew it, but he asked the question anyway. Do you want to get well? Sir, the sick man answered, I don't have a man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming, someone goes down ahead of me. 
Listen to Jesus, verse 8. Get up, Jesus told him. Pick up your mat and walk. Now, notice, notice the text. Jesus says this with some passion, doesn't he? There's that exclamation point at the end. I'm not a very good at English, but I know what that means. Come on, somebody. Right? Get up and walk. Instantly, the man got well, picked up his mat, and started to walk. Now, that day was the Sabbath, so the Jews, here they come with their religion, said to the man who had been healed, this is the Sabbath. It's illegal for you to pick up your mat. He's been there for 38 years. The audacity. How dare you get healed on the Sabbath? He replied, the man who made me well told me to pick up my mat and walk. Who is this man who told you? Pick up your mat and walk, they asked. But the man who was cured did not know who it was because Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. After this, Jesus found him in the temple complex and said to him, see, you are well Do not sin anymore so that something worse doesn't happen to you. This man went and reported to the Jews it was Jesus who had made him well. Let's just rewind in that text for a moment because I don't want us to misunderstand the text. Jesus said, see you're well. Do not sin anymore. He brings it to the point. The point isn't your physical healing. The point isn't the answer that you thought you were looking for. The point is salvation. The point is deliverance. The point is, hey man, don't sin anymore. And when he says, so that a worse thing will come upon you, he's not talking about, hey, if you sin, you're gonna get more sick than you were there. He's not saying that. What he's saying is, if you don't stop sinning, there's a worse fate that awaits you. Awaits you, and and that's eternal separation from God the Father, are you with me? This is what Jesus is saying. Hey, look, I did that. I made you well. Awesome walk. But there's something more important. Don't sin anymore because I don't want you to be eternally separated from me. And here at the pool of Bethesda, the Bible says in verse 3 that there's a large number of the sick, the blind, lame, paralyzed waiting for the moving. I want to talk to you for the next few moments about waiting to be moved. God, we thank you so much for your word. God, we thank you that your word is awesome. God, I pray that in the next few moments that we have together, that, Lord, you would just speak to us in this place. That, that God, that you would help us, God, understand this passage and how it applies to our life. And, God, you would help me now as the communicator, commune in such a way that people encounter your son, Jesus, know your incredible love, and realize the amazing plan that you have for their life. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Have you ever found yourself uh, before in a place where uh, maybe you're, you're facing uh, a difficult time, maybe it's a moment of crisis, maybe it's just a, uh, you need some answers, maybe it's a relational conflict. Anybody ever had a relational conflict before? And all the married people said yes, yeah. 
Uh, maybe, maybe you've been at that place where there's some financial struggle, there's something happening financially, and it's just, you're looking at the situation, and it doesn't look all that good, or um, I don't know, maybe it's something, a job, or maybe you just came from the doctor, and you got, you got the health report, or maybe there's something else going on at home, and uh, maybe you're younger, and stuff's happening with parents, I don't know, but you ever find yourself in that, that place where you don't quite have the answer? and you begin to have a conversation with yourself or maybe with somebody else that, that sounds a little bit like this, that, you know, I wouldn't be in this position if. I wouldn't be in this place I'm in if this happened. I wouldn't be, you know, in this relational difficult challenge if the other person wasn't such a jerk. Come on, somebody. I wouldn't be experiencing uh, this, you know, the, this financial difficulty in my life if I had another job. Does this sound like anybody or am I talking to myself, right? Like, I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't, you know, uh, be going through this if this just lined, lined up. Am I the only one that's had those conversations before? In other words, we look at our present circumstance and our present situation, the difficulty we're in, maybe the dysfunction we're in, maybe the problem, maybe what we're feeling internally, and we look and we say, man, if that hadn't happened, then this wouldn't be going on right now. Uh, let me just, I, I printed out some things here and maybe this will help you. I brought the pool of Bethesda with me, by the way. It was probably much bigger than that. I mean, the, the mat is bigger than the pool. Come on, somebody, right? But maybe, maybe you would say to yourself, you know, um, and I would have so much more money if I had the right career, right? And so we look and we say, man, if, if man, the career would line up, if that career would line up, man, then, then things would be a little, bit, a little bit better for me and I'd probably have what, um, what I need, right? Maybe, maybe this is you, right? Um, man, if I had a different group of friends. <laughs> Don't look around. Yeah, as you nudge your friend, yeah, that's my problem, sheesh. If I had a different set of friends, if I had a different friend group, if, if my relationships, my friendships were different and I surrounded myself, now, there can be some truth to some of that, uh, but, but you find yourself, well, if, if, if the friendship thing was different, then my, my life would probably be, be different. Or man, you know, uh, what about this one? Man, if only, man, my worship experience was different. I mean, that then I would have the answer. If, if man, the worship, if they would have sang my song this morning. It, you know what I'm saying? And man, if they only had that one program at their church. Man, if the pastor would only preach relevant messages. <laughs> As if that's one. And we just, maybe we blame a moment, right? Like we could say, man, if only the worship moment had been different, then, 